Welcome to EWA's FinLit Podcast. EWA is a fee-only RIA based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We hope all listeners of this podcast will benefit as we deep dive into uh, complex financial topics that we will make simplified for you. And we hope that this really serves as a catalyst so that you can make the best financial planning decisions uh, for your family and also save time. Welcome, everybody, to This Week on FinLit by EWA. Stephanie and I are going to be discussing how to help kids be financially responsible. So we have a list of 10 pointers today, and excited. I'll get right into it. So um, first tip is just open communication about money. Um, Introducing topics at an early age can obviously be a catalyst to um, many good discussions. I've found that a lot of interviews with potential clients, their early memories of money really shaped good and bad belief systems, um, which we see, you know, come up in 30s, 40s, 50s and beyond right. can really shape how you think about money and your relationship with money. So the earlier you're able to communicate about it, I think it's a very sometimes a taboo subject that you don't talk about. Here's how much I make. Here's how much this person makes. Here's what this costs. Sometimes it's just a very stressful thing that people never discuss. So our point of number one is just to reverse this and to openly discuss as much as you're comfortable with with your kids at an early age because it's going to come up, and if it comes up under your roof, you'll have a lot much more control about their first memory versus if it, it does happen you know, after they've left for college. Yeah. as an example. Absolutely. You get the opportunity to field those questions first because there's enough information out there that they could get bad information versus, you know, your informed information. So absolutely. All right. So number two, um, I love this one. Um, and I actually did this with my kids when they were young is to like involve them with your spending habits. So whether it's, you know, grocery store, back to school shopping, you know, things of that nature, you know, keep it very, very basic. But um, kids, I think, I mean, obviously, when they're very, very little, they don't have any concept of where things come from. But as they start to understand that you go to a store or Amazon's kid's favorite thing, um, you know, that goods and services and such come from somewhere, just teaching them the basic that there's a trade-off of earning to spending, you know, and then receiving said product or service starts to help them like connect the dots to, you know, things just don't magically appear and they're not free. So very, very simple, easy lesson. Take your kids to the grocery store with them, allow you or allow them to see you, you know, selecting things, let them ask questions, answer their questions, and then let them be involved in, you know, the checkout process and any questions afterwards. So simple, simple. I think that tip number two really falls into number three. And number three is just yes. open up, a, open up an account for them as early as possible. So you know, savings account. I'm going to just talk briefly about what I do for my daughter, Rory. So she has a savings account already. Um, I also have a, you know, a whole life policy that builds cash value on her. It's based upon a young age and that'll give her insurability options in the future to add to that. But, um, that's something I'll gift to her, uh, you know, potentially once she's graduated college, if she decides to, to go to college, then I also, she's a, um, on EWA, very small payroll, just so we have the ability to then fund her Roth IRA. So to fund a Roth, you can't just open up a Roth IRA for your kid. They actually have to have earned income to fund it. Um, So she does some modeling for us. If you've ever seen our Instagram, it's Rory, Rory, Rory everywhere. Cutest one. Um, So just as an example, and then, you know, she's turning five in October, but as far as discussions that we're starting to have is... I've already made her aware of these accounts and the conversations are sometimes hilarious, but there'll be continued conversations. 
And she really likes shopping on Amazon now. So it's like, I want this dress and this dress and this dress. And now we're talking about how much it costs. Mm-hmm. And so the next steps will actually be for the savings account is, you know, potentially paying her, giving her a list of, um, of some duties or chores and then paying her an allowance and giving and showing her how that money can go directly in will be the, the next steps. But um, as much education as possible, I remember when I was young, I literally had a cup and I remember having three, I think it was three cups. So one was for... Um, charity, which makes sense, or tithing, which makes sense. Right. My dad being a pastor, I think right. he had his own agenda there. And no, I'm just kidding. We'll get into that one next. <laughs> um, and then secondly was for for future savings, and then third was for um, for spending. Yeah. And so I remember these three cups, but it just it was really appreciative of my parents doing that because it forced me to start, um, you know, thinking about chari- charitable endeavors. It forced me to start thinking about savings, and then it just taught me in general how money worked. And eventually, those cups. Oh, geez, that was over, you know, 30 years ago. But um, eventually those cups became bank accounts. But the concepts and the intention of starting to think about finances started at, at a really, really young age. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with everything that you just said. And, um, you know, my kids are a little bit older than that. So, you know, they're actually all the birthdays are this month. So, you know, that they're older, everyone's like, what should we get them for their birthdays? They don't need more stuff. Um, so usually it's like, hey, here's some some money in your birthday card. So we sit down after that, and I have a conversation with them kind of very similarly. And then everything's online anymore. So I actually sit down with them and log into, you know, their accounts. And I let them watch me make the deposit. And then I also show them the balance, you know, six months later. So just them watching things accumulate, even if it's little pieces by little pieces, really starts like getting the wheels turning in their thought process. So I love that. Awesome. Love it. Well, what's, uh, what's tip number four? I might have stolen the thunder a little no, bit. That's, but. <laughs> no, that's okay. Number four is um, modeling, you know, philanthropic behavior, you know, if you're so inclined. So if you have a cause that's near and dear to your heart, whether it's a charity, whether it's your church, whether, you know, it's a systematic contribution, um, you know, letting your kids know that there are ways to like financially support those organizations. And that comes out of, you know, a payroll or, you know, their budget, your budget, um, I think is awesome. And it gets them into, you know, a good habit of if they feel strongly about something also supporting that financially and knowing that that's a, something that's out there. So no question. I think that's so important too. Cause I found a lot of, a lot of problems occur generationally, like a lot of, so just as an example, like, um, if a kid didn't grow up with money, uh, that and many other reasons could cause them to go and go to school and become a doctor and then like make tons of money because they felt like they never had it. Right. And maybe that was an overcompensation for not having it. And then the vice versa, we've seen kids that have families that are uber successful. You know, the parents are just, we'll use the doctor examples as a, and then that kid potentially saw their parents were never around. They didn't have the time they kind of despise money. So then they go into a job where it's like very philanthropic. Mm-hmm. The reality is they can't even afford rent because they're making, you know, whatever it is they make per year. So I think it's really important to talk about money and, and um, charity as well so that those over, uh, over calibrations don't happen. Right. Because again, our childhood experiences really shape us for the rest of our life. But having those discussions allows, you know, someone to make a decision to be a doctor because they really are passionate about being a doctor, not because they see that as a, I grew up poor. I don't want that to ever happen or vice versa. All the way over here. (laughs) I grew up without parents that were present. So I'm going to go, I don't care about money anymore. And it's, don't let those childhood experiences necessarily shape you. You should still be able to chase your passions and live a balanced life. But the the conversation you have with your parents early on could really shape and, and make sure those calibrations are healthy and not too crazy one way 
or the other. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So yeah, get your kids, you know, if they want to donate, actually donate money or, you know, holidays and such are coming up, you know, kids go out and they purchase, you know, gifts for kids that maybe don't have those. And then they get to actually be part of that process. And so I think that's, um, it's awesome for them to see the end of that process too. So what about number five, Matt? Yeah. So number five, brainstorm ways to earn versus simply giving the kids money. I was blessed for kudos to my parents for not giving me really anything. I, um, I was selling, I was hustling, selling dandelions with my brother. I think when I was like three and we looked like, uh, these haircuts. I mean, I mean, I don't know if my parents were just torturing us. We wanted to laugh at us for the next (laughs) timeless. So we looked like Amish, like with these bull haircuts, the pictures are still out there somewhere, but anyways, we sold out these dandelions because I think people just felt so sorry for this three and this five-year-old sitting on the street with dandelions. So, Ever since I was three years old, I've been, you know, selling something, trying to hustle. And so everything, um, those were discussions. And I remember my brother started a lawn care service because he wanted a computer. And so he was just hustling, mowing lawns. And I remember from, you know, jobs like cleaning carpets to waiting tables to being a host to, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, But I wouldn't change anything because if I was, there are so many skill sets I've learned from knocking doors and sales, from selling cable to wait, you know, being a waiter at tables to selling dandelions. <laughs> um, and the ability, the number one is the ability to handle adversity because those interactions um, that are different every day. And if my parents didn't give me the gift of being able to ha- handle adversity, then I would, you know, expect everything. And, and that's not how the real world right. works. So um, teaching your kids how to earn money at a young age allows them to you know, calibrate what their relationship is with money and it allows them to really handle adversity at a young age, which will stick for life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with that completely. Um, we do that with our kids often. I mean, we all know everything's expensive these days that the kids want because it's all like electronics, you know, designer clothing, you know, whatever it may be, it's not $20 anymore. It could be a hundred dollars or more. So I think, you know, having that discussion with your kids up front where we usually say, well, how much do you think X costs? Well, if it's $100, okay, well, do you have $100? No, I don't. Okay, well, let's talk about a way that you could earn that. And what if we split that with you? What are things that you think you could help with? I mean, and don't be afraid. I mean, we're not afraid to ask our kids to do things that you know, are physically related. You know, if they walk the dogs, they clean the room. Um, you know, there's a variety of things that, that kids can do that not only allows them to like get the concept of work equals money, but it also, um, you know, they start to understand that, oh, okay, like I actually have to like put some effort forth. I actually think then the reward is like that much sweeter. So especially if they come up with it themselves, having a little bit of input, um, you'd be surprised what your kids would be willing or wanting to do as a trade-off. So like don't discount, you know, their willingness or ability to, to, to earn what they, what they want. No question. Yeah. Well, um, so speaking of, let's talk about, uh, Spending choices. So yeah. tip number six. Yeah. So I think this is really important because I know some adults who still, you know, have to go through this exercise like frequently, which is, you know, I want X, Y, and Z, but I need X, Y, and Z. So prioritizing what it is that you actually need and what you want and having a very, you know, realistic conversation with yourself as to can I afford all three of these? Can I afford two of these? Or can I really only afford one of these? So looking at the trade-off of if I purchase something that I need or want, 
what am I sacrificing? So in our world, we call it like opportunity cost. So if I do X, what else am I giving up? Um, you know, or what am I gaining in the process? So um, having these conversations with your kids as to, okay, well, which is most important to you? Why is it most important to you? And then prioritizing those things, I think is a good thought process, not only in their, you know, small microcosm of a world as a, as a child, but also in the grand scheme of life is being able to prioritize things. No question. Um, couldn't agree more. Well, one of the most often talked about financial, this is like if you've ignored money with your kids your whole life, it's going to come smack you right in the face when college comes. If they yes. do decide to go to college or a trade school, I mean, it, it's expensive. Um, so our tip number seven is discuss how, you know, college financials work, discuss how you're paying for it, discuss what you expect from them, right. et cetera. And so there's not a one size fits all, but I do th want to point out a couple of things. Those that think, oh, my kids, I'll let my kids handle this. You're with the rising cost of college right now, the kid, no matter what they do after college, it's going to be extremely crippling for them to be able to afford any kind of lifestyle with the amount of school loans they would need to pay for it themselves. Right. And so um, tip number one is as part of college is, you know, definitely start saving at a young age if you want your kids to go to college because economically it may not make sense. If it's all on them, then the trade-off of what they're going to earn after is so lopsided right now. Yeah. So definitely save in advance. And on the flip side, we have a lot of clients say, I want to pay for everything no matter what. <laughs> and sometimes this works out great because if you raise your kids well, they're not going to, you know, they're going to be very rigorous in their studies. They're going to get good grades, et cetera. But also as part of that, it could become kind of a paradox is, you know, you, you, you save all this money, you put your kids through college and then they, they take it for granted. They don't take it seriously. And now they're suddenly doing victory laps, fourth year, fifth year, <laughs> sixth year, seven years. And, um, you're really just setting up bad habits and that's where this boomerang nation has really started where then they're going to end up in scenario one or scenario two, probably still living with you after because they, you know, they haven't really been taught to uh, fend for themselves or helped along the way with really big decisions that have a, the cause and effect relationship. You know, if you're going to go become a, um, a social worker, which is a, one of the most commendable careers there is, Absolutely and take out $150,000 of school debt to become a social worker and then make 40,000, you know, even after taxes, you're going to be netting like 2000 something a month. You can't afford rent or a car payment, let alone touching those school loans. Yeah. Those and, payments could be $800 a month, you know, so, on something of that sort. Yeah. So to close for college, I think the more you have the ability to talk about different career paths, which can be great open discussions. And then you also have the ability to then talk about and research or have your kid research. What are the corresponding salaries or earnings potentials as those career paths? And then what are the best colleges that could go to the career path? Because the worst, the, the more unsure you are, if you're just going to college for the sake of going to college, statistically kids switch majors all the time. And there's, there's going to be some relatively silly influence that directs them in a way that maybe is not as intentional as it should be right. for the rest of their life. So I think, you know, if a kid's going to decide what they're going to do, wouldn't that be good to do by themselves, but under the guise of like their parents help and not saying you have to have everything figured out. Cause I didn't have anything figured out until well after college, right. but oh, of course. these kind of conversations earlier on and just experiencing and shadowing and, and just looking at what the consequences are. Uh, I promise you the only good will come from them. Yeah. With Absolutely. Your kids.
Yeah, I agree completely. There's really not a, uh, there's no one size fits all like solution to, you know, future planning, college planning, education planning in general. You could have one kid, you know, who goes through med school, another kid who goes to trade school, another kid who starts a business. Um, different paths look different. So one foot in front of the other, regardless of where that, uh, where that is, just moving in a direction, I think is, is key. So. Absolutely. All right, Matt. So it moves us to number eight, which is introducing your kids to investing early. Um, and you talked a little bit about, you know, various accounts that, you know, you have for your daughter and whatnot. And, um, you know, starting investment accounts for your kids when they're young um, and talking to them about the stock market um, is awesome because they're getting that out there somewhere. Anyhow, um, you know, my 10 year old asked me, mom, like, do, do you own Apple stock? Do you know? I heard Amazon stock. And I'm like, you don't know where they're getting this, but you know everything's on Google, everything's on the internet. So giving them good guidance and information like about what investing actually is is the key there. So whether you're putting $100 into an account and buying a couple of shares of stock and allowing your kid to pick a stock that they like and then watching that value you know, go up and down with the economy, um, that gives them a very good lesson. A, it helps them put like something that's conceptual you know, into reality, and it helps them kind of see how investments can change like over time. It's a pretty cool exercise size for them to look at a statement, you know, year over year. No question. I think another, like with, as far as investing in the stock market, the power of compounding interest, I just did a quick calculation, but like a 25 year old who saves $300 a month and earns 8% a year, just like an index fund investing when they turn 65, they'd have 1.054 million. But then the same person who starts five years early later. So a 30 year old at $300 a month, 8%. By 65, they'd have $692,000. So just three, just five years of $300 a month, that's 3,600 times five. I mean, that's quick math. That's $18,000 mm-hmm. less that the 30-year-old has invested over the 25-year-old, but the back end is a $350,000. Now I'm behind $350,000. So that not only will help your child and just setting up the accounts and showing them that that's this is why I set the account up for you as early as I did. Right. That, that will also help with the college discussion going back for a minute because then they'll figure out, well, I want money to, I can keep investing. I want to have the right career path. Oh, wait, this works in the opposite direction. If I take school loans, compounding interest <laughs> can work in the opposite direction. Right. So th- that just really opens up the door for, you know, many conversations as if you start talking about investing and compounding interest as early as possible. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah, well, I know one of the things I was really impressed that you do, and I think Rory is not, you know, old enough yet to do this, but you give your kids, this is tip nine, you give your kids a, <laughs> literally a match. I do. Uh, so explain this. And, and this, I, the first thing I think of how this replicates, like a lot of people don't even have their 401k set up and they're losing free money. So what do you do for your kids, Stephanie? So um, this kind of was born out of out of COVID, actually, because I was at home working, trading, you know, talking about the market. Market's going crazy. And, you know, kids absorb, like, everything that they hear. So um, being home with them, they're you know, doing homeschool. I'm working. We got a roundabout conversation about, well, what does mom do? And, you know, various topics. So one of these was a 401k and retirement plans. And I said to the kids, I said, well, basically you save up, let's say it's over a month or a quarter and you save up a certain amount of money and then your employer matches you a certain percent and they put that in the account also. And I think like the light bulb went off. They said, wait, so if you have $100, your employer's going to give you $50, so you have $150. I'm like, exactly. So... I don't know how this actually came to like fruition, but like toward the end of the year, I said, okay, guys, like you've had birthday money this year, you've had gifts, we've had allowances and everything was shut down. So they had no opportunity to spend it. So I said to them, well, all right, let's have an experiment and mom's going to match you 50% 
on every single dollar that you have on December 15th. Now, my kids love to buy gifts for other people. So this was like, okay, they wanted to buy Christmas gifts and whatnot. So I said, all right, this is a way that I can, you know, help them get this, you know, very sweet gesture, but also teaching them how to save and not spend. So I was out a lot of money that year because I didn't have an opportunity to spend it. But every year we do this now and we sit down and they bring their piggy banks and their cash and we sit and we count and I match them. And then what I do though, is I take my 50% and I put that into their college fund. So I again, have them kind of watch me make that deposit. They get to keep what they have. They go buy gifts. They, you know, they can roll it over to next year. Um, but what they're doing is really like getting that example of, okay, I'm saving and then someone else is helping me save on my behalf and it's kind of snowball effect into like a bigger pot every year so they love it they think it's fun they were they never let me forget you know middle of the of the month of December mom is having no Christmas shopping what's my match so it's a pretty cute concept but hopefully they're going to carry that into their career and know that hey if I get in my employer's plan soon I'm going to take advantage of a match and that's as we just said, exponential benefit from doing that. So and that's a muscle. Fun Saving is a muscle. And the earlier you can develop that, it'll yeah, stick for life. Exactly. So, it's harder with awesome. the older kids. So like start them like really, really young and they get in that process. My son was um, not even seven years old when we started this and now he's going to be 10. So no question. Cool. All right, Matt, what's the last one on our list? Yeah, I so love sh- this. So sharing your financial journey with your kids in a positive light. So um, having not having conversations, kids are just going to probably pick up on the negatives when you come home stressed. Yeah. So having a positive conversation, though, uh, and sharing the pros and cons can lead to a lot of, of good long-term impact. So, um, you know, kids, first of all, they, they typically mirror the environment that they're brought up in, Absolutely. And especially when they're young. Um, w- through research has shown the number one reason parents want to make a lot of money is to buy back their freedom uh, kids often think being successful is so you can look cool or have things that make you look rich. This is the wrong message. Emphasize the benefits and freedoms that being financially successful can do. So, but this, this is a lot harder said, it's a lot easier said than done because what we found is a lot of default financial plans is make a lot of money, buy stuff so you can impress people that you don't even like. And then, (laughs) this stuff is so expensive and there's so much upkeep that you have to make even more money to keep up with the lifestyle that continues to creep up. And then you don't have the time to spend with your kids. So this is a balancing act and the, a good financial plan for the parents can set the tone to have the time to have the good conversation with the kids and to realize it's not, nothing's black or white just because your parent wasn't there. doesn't mean you need to go the opposite direction. Um, you know, money can support a good life by design. It's not an evil thing if it's utilized correctly. And then vice versa, um, it can also free up time so you can have, you know, present parents. So there's so many lessons and also paradoxes. And I think it can help to talk through, you know, a financial plan as we found our, the kids of our clients are the most important thing. They're the center of every financial plan, sometimes even too much where it's overwhelming. It's like we can't even talk about retirement planning. All we care about is our kids. So all of these conversations, we believe, are really tools because the what can pass on forever is the values and lessons and responsibilities you can teach your kids. Uh, money without those will last days. Yeah, absolutely. With those, it can last generations. I mean, and you, you quoted a statistic actually back in one of our other podcasts, which is like 80% of the time that you have with your kids in their lifetime is already gone by the time they're 18 years old. So, I mean, that just really tells you like what a commodity, like the actual time is that you have with your kids. So, you know, one of the things I would echo is that, you know, it's not the actual, like the dollars 
um, that you're talking about, you're talking about the value of those dollars in terms of life experiences and opportunities and things that, you know, you can actually do with your children. So it's like money's not the good or the evil, you know, um, it's, it's the gateway to hopefully, you know, cultivating experience and opportunities with your kids. And I would piggyback on that by saying that, um, you know, anymore you're going to hear kids are at school talk about, you know, having money's bad, not having money's bad. And they're, they're just going to get this whole mixture of, of thoughts. And the most important thing is to tell your kids that, you know, when you provide value to the world, to the universe, you're doing a great service. You have a unique skill set. A lot of times you are compensated very well for that. And that's not a negative. It's how you choose then to utilize that to, again, create your life by design and hopefully affect your life in a positive and the lives of others. And I think those conversations, when it is viewed negatively, can be can snowball in other conversations like the importance of keeping your money private. You yes. know, you don't share how much you make. Why yeah. you don't necessarily need to be overstated, but <clears> instead <throat> being understated with what car you drive, what house you live in, all these right. kind of things. It can lead in such healthy conversations. So, Absolutely. Stephanie, thank you for joining yeah, us, and uh, thank you everybody. Uh, we look forward to seeing you on next week's Finlet by EWA podcast. Thanks for tuning in to uh, our podcast. Hopefully, you found this helpful. Really hope this is as beneficial and impactful to as many people. Uh, across the nation as possible. So hit the follow button. Uh, Make sure to rate the podcast and please share uh, with any friends or family members that would also find this beneficial. Thank you very much.